We are in a series we're defining our faith. And as part of that, um, you need to know Arlington Woods Church is part of the larger Free Methodist Church in Canada, which is uh, larger still, the World Free Methodist Church, which is literally around the world. And so we're part of, part of the Free Methodist Church movement and the Free Methodist Church in Canada. A few years ago, the Free Methodist Church in Canada went through an exercise to sharpen its focus on who we are. And as part of that process, they reimagined their logo. And the logo should be behind me. Um, it's there before you. And there's, so there's, we're talking about this. When we started two weeks ago, I spoke about the cross, which is in the middle that the cross is central to our faith. And that uh, last week, um, Pastor Grant, I thought he did a great job. He was speaking about the centrality of Scripture and tradition. Those are the things that are in the corner. It's the red um, for Scripture and, and um, tradition, which is the, the hourglass. We'll be talking more about some of the others in the next little bit. But those four quadrants really are parts of who we are and how we, how we live life. We, we use those. But the primary of those four is Scripture. And he, he did a great job of highlighting that, I thought, last week. Today we're talking about communion. Uh, this is, it's this act, it's a sacrament that pulls us together, and it's something that all free Methodist people would do. Um, they would do it in different ways. Uh, perhaps where, which church you'd be attending. Um, but it is central to our faith. And we're, so we're going to talk a little bit about communion. We take communion and participate in communion uh, the first Sunday of every month, usually. There's some anomalies to that, but usually that's when we celebrate communion. I think partly we don't do it every week like some churches do in the Anglican church you would see that in the Catholic Church, you would see that, and other times you would see that. I think probably for us over the years, it's, been, it's partly to try to pull us away from being ritualistic, um, something that it just becomes by rote. We just go there, we walk to the front. We'd, so there's, I think there's been um, pulling back, perhaps, and allowing for us to take a little bit more time in preparation for communion. Some of you have come out of the Anglican Church, and I, I've, we've had great conversations about that. And for you, communion holds such high meaning. And every week, it's just really a focus for you to, to share in that. So there's different ways, of, different ways for people to take communion. And this is something that's been celebrated for over 2,000 years. Um, some call it the Eucharist. Other call it, others call it the Lord's Supper. Some call it communion. But what's interesting is, is that something that is actually supposed to bring us together is something that can divide us. It expresses our common faith in Jesus Christ, yet at the same time, various aspects of the ceremony have caused enormous controversy. Things like when should it be celebrated? Who should administer it? Who should take part? What type of bread and wine or juice should be used? And what happens to the bread and wine when it's blessed and then eaten? What should happen to the remaining parts of the elements? In seminary, they taught us that when 
uh, in, in some places, it, it would be that the, the elements have been blessed. So those shouldn't just be thrown away. They should be given to the birds or somebody should drink it and eat it. So after service, if you see me up here tipping these back, that's the reason why. Actually, I don't do that. But in some, some churches you've seen where the priest, he, takes, he finishes up that and he tips it back and away we go. So there's, there's all kinds of different ways to, uh, to look at that. What was interesting is that during COVID, there were some people that were bothered by the fact that a church could actually have people at home have communion. It was okay, you know, it's okay when everybody's here together and the pastor has to be the one that administers it, but it kind of goes outside what's normal to have somebody at home pull out the crackers and pull out the juice because there's not someone official that's presiding over it. In our church, quite often, we will have people that are from the church leadership, and you'll see that this morning. There are several of our board members are participating, leadership of our church, who will be participating and administering the elements. And that'll be happening just in a moment. So there's different ways for us to, to do this. But in, in that, something that's supposed to unify us can actually cause some controversy. And it's easy to get sidetracked from the central message of the celebration, which is what? Jesus' sacrificial death. Communion is fundamentally all about Jesus. Just like the cross, the communion is one of those elements that draws us together. I didn't explain to you that on the actual logo, it looks like when you see it on the right the picture with the little head on the top and then it looks like a little body down below and they're taking the elements off the other side. That's what communion is. Julie, could you hand me the water? Please? A little dry this morning. I got a crackle? I'm crackly? They're just cracked up over here. Thank you. This was instituted so that it would help the disciples as well as us to remember what Jesus had done and what was, what was special to him. And at its core, communion is celebration, it's remembrance, and it's a proclamation of Christ's death. It's a celebration, it's remembrance, and a proclamation of Christ's death. It reminds those of us who partake of it that Christ is with us, that Christ died for us, and Christ is now alive working in us. We're to remember this every time we take it. It's an opportunity to remember that Christ is with us, Christ has died for us, and Christ is alive and working in us. Three of the Gospels talk about communion. This morning we're taking a look at Luke. So there was Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 to 28. There's Mark chapter 14 verse 22 to 24, and then there's Luke, chapter 22, 19 to 20. And then also it's written in one of Paul's letters, the Second Corinthians, chapter 11. Today we're looking at Luke. Luke chapter 22, verse 14 to 20. should be on the screen or on your TV at home. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffered. 
For I tell you, I'll not eat it again until, the, until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I'll not drink it again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Have you heard that before? When have you heard that? Almost every time we take communion, before we take the bread, before we take the juice, you hear this. This is one of the things in our church, in our movement that draws us together as we participate in the Lord's Supper or in communion. So what is it that we see? The communion was initiated during the Jewish Passover celebration. Let's not lose that. It's part of the Old Testament. It's part of the covenant that, that God had established with the, with the Jewish people, the children of Israel. And Jesus takes this beautiful thing, I said the, Jew, the Jewish um, religion, and he pulls that as he sees himself as the fulfillment of what was happening with the children of Israel. Luke chapter 22, verse 15. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I'm so excited to be able to have this because there's going to be something special moving forward. I'm so excited to have this with you before I suffer. Passover meal was celebrated every year by the people of Israel to remember what? Their deliverance from Egypt, from their slavery, to be set free. And in his last supper with his disciples, Jesus symbolically reinterprets many of the elements of this meal to convey a deeper meaning and understanding of the purpose of his death for his disciples. He wanted them to remember this. And so every time without a pastor getting up and preaching it, we're to take a look at the elements see the bread and the juice, and see that there's significant meaning in that. And just as that Passover lamb was put on the doorposts to to allow for the death angel to pass over the children of Israel, Jesus' sacrificial death was a deliverance of slavery for sin for us. Communion was initiated during the, the Jewish Passover celebration. Second, communion was a time of blessing and giving thanks. What's he say? After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. Do you know that during the Passover meal... There are a number of cups of wine that are symbolic, that are, that are drunk together during the meal. And the first is the cup of blessing. At his last supper with the disciples, Jesus took that cup and he gave thanks. The word Eucharist means thanksgiving. This is why communion is called Eucharist in some church or Christian traditions. 
Communion reminds us of the blessing that we have because of what Jesus has done. And we give thanks. We take part. We take time during this ceremony when there's gaps, when we're waiting for somebody to move, when we're, we're, we're waiting for the elements to be passed to us, when we're standing in line. We just have an opportunity to give thanks to, the, to our king because of what he, what he means to us. He died for us. And there's, full of this, there's just full of this thanksgiving for what it means because of who he is. The third thing is, is that it reminds us that unleavened bread was broken, which represented Jesus' body. Unleavened bread. And he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In Exodus, you'll remember the children of Israel are told to only eat unleavened bread during the time of Passover. Leavened bread contained yeast, which as we read through Scripture reminds us of sin that gets in and it works its way into our lives. It's important to remember that Jesus used unleavened bread. Why? Because it represents the fact that he was without sin. This unleavened bread, he was without sin. He is the source of life and sustenance. Jesus described himself as the bread of life. So it comes back full circle. Spiritually speaking, when we believe in Jesus, we partake of a sinless life with Christ who lives in us. This remembrance involves the use of tangible elements. It's things we can... Hold, it's things that we smell, it's things that we touch. The bread and the juice. It isn't enough simply to say, remember these things. Jesus wanted us to get these into our hands. He wanted us to feel that as it goes across the palate of our mouth. To touch it, to hold it, to feel it, to know it. That in this experience... Jesus is doing something special. Physical action of eating and drinking is to, is to remind us that, spirit, that we are spiritually ingesting Christ and it upon, to depend on Jesus and the saving benefit of his life, death, and resurrection. And just as juice and just as bread is used to sustain us, in all times of life. A little bit of bread, a little bit of juice, reminds us of the sustaining power of Jesus Christ. Fourth thing is that a cup of wine was shared, during, uh, was shared together representing Jesus' blood. In the same way it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Traditionally, in the Passover meal, another cup of wine was drunk called the cup of redemption. It is a reminder of the blood of the unblemished lamb that was sacrificed by each family on the night of uh, the Israelites' escape from Egypt. Jesus' cousin, John, said this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world... When we partake of the juice, 
we are reminded that Jesus came, that special lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And that's great for the world, but he takes away your sin. It is all blotted out. Fifth thing and the final thing, we're coming to communion in a few moments, so hang in there. Communion is a symbol of the new covenant. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Luke 22, verse 20. We understand this as we understand covenant. It's like a contract. It is something that binds us together. It's a binding agreement between two parties. It was usually solemnized with various seals and signs. Covenants were, con- were common in the ancient world, and God uses this cultural practice when he pulls together communion to be this covenant, this new covenant between Jesus and his people. And using the symbols and pictures of the Old Testament covenant, Jesus instituted a new covenant in the fulfillment of the prophecy that Jeremiah said. This is what Jeremiah said in verse, uh, chapter 31, verse 31 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. The day is now. I will not be like the co- it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. From Joseph, little Joseph, not Joseph in the Bible, little Joseph, the littlest of us all, to the greatest of us all, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I'll remember their sins no more. Covenant of the Old Testament was work. This new covenant is unconditional and undeserved. Jesus comes to us and he presents us his gift, his body and his life. In communion, we are invited to participate in, in, in this symbolic drama that communicates truth through sight, sound, taste, touch, and our own active participation. No one force feeds you the elements, but you freely come. You either do or you don't, but when you come, you reach your hand out and you take it and you ingest it. It is your free will. And partake of the elements we declare that Christ gave his body and blood for me, that he died for me.